Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily on a Friday. Glad to have you with us today. A very busy Friday as we get you ready for a football weekend. We now get you ready for a basketball weekend as well. College basketball in full swing here. Uh, KU, K-State. Uh, K-State basketball plays tonight. KU played basketball last night. Wichita State plays basketball tomorrow all the football teams are in action, and the high school football playoffs continue. Could not be a busier time of the year. I'm Jacob Albrock. We welcome you in 869-1240. Jad Chambers producing. On the other side, Tommy Castor there. Tommy, how are you this morning? I'm a little embarrassed this morning. I got to be honest with you. Um, I had talked myself into getting excited for Thursday night football last night, mm-hmm. and I believe it was a complete disappointment. Um, how was I don't the know why. PJ Walker, Marcus Mariota experience for you? Yeah, I, I tried. I, I honestly tried to get excited for it. And then the game ended, and I thought, why did I waste my time? You Not just did you try. You tried to give me a guilt trip for being I skeptical did. about it. I did. I apologize. Uh, it was a disaster of a game to watch. I thought the Falcons uh, were a better football team than what they put out there last night. Uh, and Carolina, man, like they've got Atlanta's number uh, in both matchups this season. Um, but what a what a terrible division and what a terrible matchup on primetime. Terrible. Uh, terrible. It was and, – and Tampa, I'm telling you, Tampa's going to win. It's, I mean, you've been, it's been staring at us in the face, right, that Tampa Bay would come in and stink their way into a divisional title, and then somehow Tom Brady's going to find a way to win a playoff game. I mean, it's happening. It's happening. I, I'm telling you right now. This will happen. They'll stink their way in, and they'll win a playoff game somehow because it's Tom Brady, and that's how we roll here in uh, this the last, what, now 30 years of Tom Brady. That's that's what will happen there. Uh, KU basketball, far more entertaining for us here last night, and they did not cover. There was a backdoor cover by North Dakota State there on a trash dunk, but uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Kansas 
gets a big win. They get a comfortable win. They really called off the dogs in the second half. They were almost up 30 in the first half. And, you know, the big test, and and we both agreed on this, was how do they handle a talented big? Um, Grant Nelson, 11 points on 3 of 10 shooting, 9 rebounds. I think they handled it just fine. And, man, if you watch this team play, because we finally got a little bit of MJ Rice in that game last night, and he actually had a high shot volume, 5 of 10. Um, it's the athleticism of this team explodes off the screen at us. And whether that's, you know, you know, and it's not even Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris, right? Like those guys aren't awesome because of their supreme athleticism or anything like that. They're awesome because they've spent a lot of time in the program and are really talented players. But when you see Rice and Pettiford and Grady Dick and KJ Adams, like the athleticism for those guys, you're just like, Whoa, this team, I think, you know, if if the cohesion is there and those types of things, I absolutely think we're looking at a national title contender, Tommy. And I know their preseason ranking would naturally say that, but I, we, those things aren't always true. But this team will contend for a national title, and I don't think they'll play a lot of games, if any, this year where they're not the most talented team physically on the floor. And how remarkable is that losing all the pieces from the national championship team last season and then you're right back in the mix this season. They move so quickly and they distribute the ball so well. The assist to turnover ratio last night, 22 assists to nine turnovers. Uh, So they're taking care of the basketball. They're moving it all over the place. Uh, And you know what? Bobby Pettiford isn't a major scorer, but man, he can facilitate. Yeah, he can facilitate getting the basketball to anybody to, to get a shot up. He had eight assists last night uh, and, and looked fantastic doing it. So between him and Dewan Harris running the point, uh, you got to feel pretty confident in their ability to be the floor general. And then you've got all the shot makers and the athletes. It was great to see MJ Rice. Um, I didn't really know a whole lot about him. I mean, we hear about you know, how he was coming into the program. Um, But all of the attention has been on Grady Dick and MJ Rice went out there and looked incredibly athletic. Uh, And then Ernest Uday, um, I think he's going to develop it. He's pretty raw, but I think he's going to develop into somebody that can be a pretty reliable uh, big man. He reminds me of a freshman Yudoka Azabuke uh, is who he reminds me of just that all of that energy and the strength and the size a little bit raw. Uh, he might be a better shooter. He probably is a better shooter than Yudoka was uh, at this point in his career. Um, but I think he's going to develop into something really nice, too. Yeah, I don't know on the bigs. I know K.J. Adams is an incredible athlete that's really fun to watch. That that I do know. Um, it's just, what what are they going to be to this team? I, I'm, I'm starting to worry less and less because as long as they defend the position, I really don't care. Like, if they if they defend the position it doesn't really matter to me what they do offensively because I just don't know how much of that they're going to need. And we're going to have to see that. Look, the offense ran through last year as good as, you know, uh, Oach and Christian Brown were in some of those players. The offense ran through McCormick when KU was at its best. And in those critical moments of the national championship game and the postseason run, the offense ran through Dave McCormick. When he struggled, they struggled. When he was great, they were nearly unbeatable. So, 
it will take a little bit of a philosophical change of what we're used to for a while because of course it was doke before that the unicorn right there's we, there just aren't guys like doke anymore um but they will have to be different i think offensively and that's okay i'm trying to remember the last time and you'll probably have better grasp on this tommy i'm just trying like the last time they didn't have a truly dominant big man for a great KU team. It was probably. I can tell you, you know, I it, think it was probably Landon Lucas was probably the last time Landon was a nice player, but he wasn't dominant. That's what I was dominant. just going to say is 2014 when they lost to Wichita State. They had Jamari Trailer and Landon Lucas, both tr more more of forwards. I mean, Lucas was, was a center, but yeah, that's probably right. Who did the final four? They had, was Doak. Yeah, who was Doak. on the I mean, final four team in 17 when DeSosa was there but didn't play and they're all in trouble for? Who was the big yeah, there? I believe Doak played. I mean, Doak struggled with injuries uh, right. for a couple of seasons. So, um, you know, he was kind of on and off on the court. And and clearly he was such a dominant player back then that the team struggled because it ran through him. Uh, and then when they didn't have him, th there wasn't another outlet, you know, to really get to. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that for sure. I think that you look at the bigs that Kansas currently has right now, and it's clearly going to be KJ Adams and Ernest Uday. Um, Zach Clements was a piece of the team last year. Development. We really haven't seen him get on the court yeah. a whole lot this season. He seems to be sort of behind those other two guys. And so it makes me wonder if, you know, where that development is with him. Cause I thought when he came into the program last year, I thought, okay, well, he's going to be probably slotting himself into the number two, the backup role at the five position behind David McCormick. Uh, but he really didn't. It was Mitch Lightfoot. And then Zach Clements, you know, really got mop up time. He's getting mop up time this year, too. So it makes me wonder really where he's at in his development compared to those other guys. Yeah. So if we're looking at more of a style of like 13, 14, 15, 14 and 15, at least for the teams that I've seen, that's probably what we're looking at here. And those teams didn't have a tremendous amount of tournament success, but I, I'm not there's no real comparison there for that. It's just I think that's probably more of what we'll see. I mean, Kevin McCuller, I think Tommy will win them some games this year. Um, he's certainly that kind of player. We've seen him Kevin be that in the had Big a, 12 before. He had a plus minus of 30, plus 30 on the court. He was by far, <laughs> the team had the uh, best performance when McCuller was on the court last night. And that's why he's there. We saw some of that with Remy Martin, right? Like these really high-level players that just want to come in and experience the program. Um, you know, his was interesting because... I mean, I think we could call Texas Tech at least a contender nationally. They were in a national championship game as far back as three years ago. Uh, but he chose to come into Kansas, and I think he'll be just fine with whatever role they carve out for him. That does sort of look like the rotation, though. And Joseph Yesifu will be a piece. Um, so, you know, I don't even know how much Clements will be a part of it, but it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It looks like about a nine guy rotation. Maybe Clemens makes 10. Um, that'll be, that's about right. And I don't know if that whittles down a whole lot more because I think yes, a guy you'd like to heat check if nothing else at times in a game. Um, MJ Rice. Look, I I've seen as much of MJ Rice as anybody sitting here that didn't like study him, which was last night, basically. And he looks like athletically he'll be just fine. I don't know what kind of shooter he is. 
I just know he was a really highly touted recruit. He didn't make any threes last night, but I think he's a, he's going to be a spark plug guy, if nothing else, um, which is good. But this offense will likely run through Grady Dick, and it'll likely run through Jalen Wilson. Um, I, you know, Kevin McCuller can do things there, but I think that's going to be it. And and I'm probably at this point okay with that because I think Wilson and Dick are both creators and shooters, um, which is helpful if if the if the shooting isn't going well in a night that their ability to create athletically is also a big part of what they do. I just like the recipe looks to be here and we haven't even seen Bill Self on the bench really yet. And we'll find out against Duke. Look, they played Omaha and North Dakota State. So we'll take take it with a grain of salt to some degree. But I, I can't wait to see them get matched up athletically with a team like Duke to see how that part rolls through. Because the very early signs on the recipe here, to me, look very, very, very good for KU and their chances to try to repeat as a national champion. I would agree with that. You know, you look at what they were able to do um, in the rebounding matchup against North Dakota State, and make no mistake, I, I said yesterday that North Dakota State was a better team than Omaha, and they are, but they're not a Big 12-level opponent, right? Uh, and they're not a level no. of an opponent like Duke will be uh, next week. But they did create some problems, or you would think that North Dakota State could create some problems with their size uh, in the post. And Kansas was able to out-rebound North Dakota State by 14 last night. So I think that bodes well uh, in the future. I, I feel like... We have we've talked quite a bit about how the the Achilles heel could potentially be the play from the from the five uh, for Kansas as the season rolls on. But I feel like what they're doing right now is they're making a point to figure out and you have to do this early in a season, right? Making a point to figure out who is our best bet. Is it going to be extended minutes for KJ Adams? Is it going to be extended minutes for Ernest Ernest Uday? Can we rely on his size and his strength and just kind of. Uh, kind of live with how raw he is right now and, and he'll develop as the season goes on. That's kind of where I feel like this team is right now uh, at the at the five. However, I mentioned this yesterday also, that ultimately if they've got athletes, which they do, like Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson and even MJ Rice, who made his debut last night, that may make up for where they lack uh, at the five position. And they were able to show that last night. It'll be really intriguing to me to see if they can continue that on with Duke and see if the athleticism, the quickness, the explosiveness, and just how good of a shooting team this potentially could be, if that makes up for where they might be lacking uh, in the post. The, yeah, and I and I, I do think, look, I don't think all of a sudden K.J. Adams and or Uday are going to become these offensive juggernauts. Um, I mean, Good for everybody, you know. Good luck, everybody else, if they do. But I, I, I think they just got to defend the position and stay out of foul trouble. Defend it at a high enough level to be able to stay out of foul trouble to where one of those guys is on the floor all the time. And I think KU is going to be fine. I just don't think that this offense is going to be designed the way the offenses the last six years have been designed that run through Doak and then David McCormick. They just, they're just not going to do that because they don't have that player on the roster, and that's okay. Not very many teams do have big-time talented fives that play the position that way. So it's not a big deal. As long as they can defend it, stay on the floor, and stay out of foul trouble. There are going to be moments, though, where really long and athletic teams in the Big 12 give those guys fits, and that's when we'll have to see what happens down there. And that's a problem. Again, that's a problem for every team, and 
and Duke will tell us a lot probably, but I'm trying to think of a, you know, a best case scenario two games in. I mean, that first half, they were beaten by 30 in the first half and then pulled off, you know, and then pulled up a little bit, but they've looked as good as we could possibly hope for them to look at every level. Jalen Wilson yeah. has clearly taken the next step. Dewan Harris looks like he's got a chance to be one of the better true point guards in the country right now if he can play at the level he's playing at, distributing the ball the way he is. They have a, t- a freshman that will be in the conversation for freshman the in- of the year and a very likely lottery pick, I would think, in Grady Dick. They have another freshman we're just beginning to see something out of. They've got depth at point guard with Pettiford. They've got depth at forward. I, I-, I can't imagine a better scenario for them an exhibition in two cupcake games in. It wasn't just the fact that they were beating them by 30 in the first half. It was the fact that they held North Dakota State to 19 points in the first half. So it was on both ends of the court, right? And that's been a knock, I think, um, you know, recently at least with Kansas is that as a whole defensively, sometimes they they um, they disappear for a bit. And they, they didn't, uh, especially in that first half. Uh, last night and so I think that that's going to bode well moving forward for for this team I think where historically the the bigs like Doak and David McCormick have struggled has been when they match up against an opponent that has the length that the the height but those guys can stretch the floor and that's you know sort of where the the struggle has been historically so if you've got KJ Adams who not only has the size but he also has the athleticism to stretch the floor also I think that's a better matchup with some of these teams in the Big 12 that historically have had bigs that can run the court and that sort of thing so um, I feel like overall yeah I mean what more can you ask for at this point two games into the season against two Summit League opponents You've got yeah, nothing. The, the the warm up that you need to get yeah. ready for Duke next week. And I don't know anything about Duke right now. I'll look into him a little bit before Monday and we'll talk about it Monday before the game, but I don't know anything about Duke. I haven't watched a second of Duke basketball this year. Um, you know, pretty pretty much in college basketball because everybody's playing cupcakes right now. I've watched KU, K State, and Wichita State. That's it. And that's probably not going to change this weekend. And it's probably not going to change for the next couple of weeks until we get through the bulk of this football season. So we are kind of flying by what we see. Um, don't have the scouting time on anything else <laughs> right now at the moment. Uh, so at that that will present, honestly, sort of a fun scenario against Duke, like this level of unknown going in uh, will be fun to watch as a fan. All right, let's take a quick break. You've got K-State tonight. Uh, making that trip out to Cal, which is really interesting, and then Wichita State tomorrow. We're going to switch over to football. We'll make our picks in the second hour. We'll preview high school football in the second hour, so we'll spend the rest of this hour getting geared up, primed up for Chiefs, for K-State football, for KU football. Big, big weekend coming up, and it's all coming up here on Sports Daily. I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Weekend of college football coming up. We've got Kansas and Kansas State, both in critical road contests, both six o'clock kicks. Uh, thank goodness, Tommy. I, I, I am not handy um, in any way. Like I'm, I'm 
I can get by, right? Like I can I can hang, but as far as next level stuff uh, around work around the house, not not for me. So I hung a second TV in my basement next to my first, and I got them within like I don't know a sixteenth of an inch of each other from being on level, and they're two different TVs from two different times, so they were like totally different setups. And I'm not sure I've ever been more proud of like an achievement that normal men do. But I was so excited about that and fired up, and uh, now I'm really excited because we got both KU and K-State kicking at six. I think that's the first time this year, actually, they've kicked at the same time. Uh, so that's going to come in real handy for me this weekend. I've got a Wichita Thunder game tomorrow night, so I'm going to have to try to find a way to have a couple eyes on the football mm. game and a couple eyes on the hockey game. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy night. Talk to the uh, staff. You just put one. You got the four-sided scoreboard up there. Just put one on one side, one on the other. Uh, sit there you in go. A corner, sit in a corner seat so you can get a good look of, of both of those screens at the same time. It'd be all right. I'll have to pitch um, sure. that. We'll see if uh, we'll see if yeah. Joel Lamerno will go for that. I think he will. You t- just <laughs> tell him that. Tell him I said it was a good idea. Um, all right. So let's start with K State because I think. Just very slightly, they have a little bit more on the line. Their chances at a Big 12 title are a little higher, although both teams are still alive, and we'll talk about that. But Kansas State goes to Baylor. I actually, I I, kind of like them quite a bit in this game to win it. I just think there's a spot and an opportunity for them here. Um, They responded well after a lapse against Tulane. Now, losing to Texas is not even though Tulane's really good. Maybe it is about the same as losing to Texas. But I think what's similar about them is that it seemed like, I don't think, I don't want to call it a mental lapse. It seems like they were they pre- they were prepared incorrectly in, in both the Tulane game in totality in the first half of the Texas game. And coming out of that Tulane game, they responded really well. And typically this team is well-prepared and better prepared than its peers. I just think there's a really good chance that they bounce back and respond in a very positive way. I think that the opportunity to get back into the Big 12 title game relies solely on them, not just winning every game the rest of the way, but Baylor's one of those other teams with two losses now in the conference. Here's Baylor, who looked like they were down, and all of a sudden they're 6-3 and three and 4-2 four and two in the league. Baylor's hot, man. They're, they're on a run. They've won three in a row. But I like Kansas State because I think they're a better team. And I and I just I think they respond well to adversity and they're in one of those spots right here. I think this game is going to come down to the wire. Um, because yeah. both teams are basically in the exact same position right now. The loser of this game likely eliminated from the Big Twelve title race. So there's a lot on the line for both teams. Uh, this is a little bit a little bit different than the game a week ago when Kansas State took on Texas, where Kansas State was in the driver's seat and Texas was looking up. Well, now both Kansas State and Baylor are are fighting to stay alive in the Big 12 title race. Uh, so I think it's going to be a close game. Chris Kleiman has never beaten Baylor. He's 0-3 during his tenure at Kansas State. Uh, and so it's kind of the monkey on the back uh, for Chris Kleiman right now to, to get that victory. But I don't know. I, I, I don't want to give away my pick. I think it's going to be a super close game. Baylor is red hot right now, and they've got a pretty phenomenal run attack, rushing attack um, with Richard Reese and then Squirrel Williams is back. 
and both of those guys um, have have ran the ball really well this season for the Bears. Um, and, and that's and where we Kansas saw State, what Bijan Robinson did yeah, last week. I was going to yeah. say that's what Kansas State uh, is is struggling with on the defensive side of the ball is stopping the run. So um, it's going to be a challenge for Kansas State, um, and with so much on the line for both teams, I think it's going to be an incredibly exciting game of football. You know, it's interesting because I think that as bad as the first half was, the second half was better for K-State defensively. Um, You know, I'm I'm trying to pull up the drive charts here in the third quarter. So, you know, in the third quarter when Texas had the ball, um, you know, they had, they went, here's what they did in the second, in the second half, the Texas possessions. They went fumble, punt, punt, field goal, punt, and then that was it. So I I just, you know, I I think, I think that I feel like K-State's defense is more like the defense we saw in the second half than like the, I don't know what that was we were looking at in the first half. Everything that I like about K-State is dependent on that. I mean, it is. Like we, you know, we're looking at, K-State here, and it really was a tale of two halves in that game. I mean, they outscored Texas 17-3 to in the second half, but they couldn't overcome just that laughable effort in the first half trying to stop Bijan Robinson. So which is it? You know, like, which which defense is it? The, what I'll, the reason I think that I'm still very optimistic and think that K-State has at least one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league, is... They did that in the second half, and what do you think Texas, with that kind of lead, wanted to do in the second half, right? Run the ball and run the clock. So that was sort of this moment of, you guys can't stop us running the ball. Look at what just happened. And K-State did step up to the challenge and stop the run. So if they can channel that, I think they're fine. But it really is the question of which one is correct, which one is more correct, first half, second half. And I don't know the answer. But I I I think it's the second half. I think we're looking at it a little bit wrong, though. I don't think it necessarily has to be either the first half or the second half. I think that they it can be somewhere in the middle where this defense, when they're playing at their potential, they can be an elite-level defense, and when they're not, it can be a disaster. I think both things can be true. That's what makes this so difficult, especially knowing uh, how dominant Baylor's rushing attack is, their run game is, um, because, yeah, Kansas State has the athletes and – that they're able at times to stop the run like they did in the second half against Texas, but sometimes they're not. And so it just depends on who we see. I don't necessarily, I'm not comfortable and and maybe you are, but I'm not comfortable looking at this defense and saying, yep, this is definitely Kansas state. They are who we thought they were in the words of Dennis green. Like they are a, a set, the second half defense or the first, like, I think they're both right. I think that they've got, the ceiling to be great, but then sometimes they don't show up and it can be, it can be pretty bad. Yeah. Look, I don't, I, I, my confidence level in that is not like rock solid. I just, if, if I'm trying to make a definitive decision on, do I think they're closer to the second half defense or closer to the first half defense? I'm going to lean to the second half defense just because we've seen that more often this year. We haven't really seen trying to think, Hmm. Have we seen that defense look like that 
other spots this year. Maybe TCU, right? That that would feel like one a little bit. God, I don't remember enough of Tech or Oklahoma. Oklahoma felt that way a little bit. You know, felt like their defense wasn't going to be the reason they won that game. But I also don't think Baylor is that level offensively. So, you know, I don't know. It, it is It is interesting. I'm just... I guess my gut just says it, and I could be totally wrong about this. This is a really critical game for them. You know, KU gets Tech, but they get it on the road, and Tech has been much, much, much better as a road team. Uh, sorry, as a home team than they have as a road team. Right now, that line sitting at three and a half for Kansas, and we'll get into that aspect of it when we make picks in just a little bit. Kansas is interesting, too, because I also think they have a really good opportunity here. Yes, it's on the road, but it felt to me, Tommy, in that last game, and I know Oklahoma State's dealing with all the injuries, but it felt to me like they had some of that swag back. They had some of that swag from earlier in the year. They were playing sort of with this with a different air about them. It wasn't more it was more about, hey, we're gonna go get this than survival mode that we had sort of seen the last couple of weeks where they just get trounced early and are trying to claw their way back into a game and if they have found some of that swag and they are getting a little bit healthier now I think an opportunity to go to Lubbock and beat Texas Tech is very much on the table here I think so too I I think that we talked quite a bit about how the defense for Kansas is the Achilles heel of the team but they are opportunistic and part of the reason why they were able to win with the margin that they won last week against Oklahoma State to become bowl eligible was because they they took the ball away. Uh, they had, I think they forced, what, three interceptions uh, in that game against Oklahoma State. So they are opportunistic. They're not um, a, a dominant shutdown defense uh, from start to finish. They're just not. That's not the way that they're built. Um, eventually, they, they may get to that point, uh, but they're not right now. And so if they can force turnovers on Texas Tech, then uh, I think that's going to absolutely bode well for Kansas. Yeah, and I don't know if Jalen Daniels will play. I mean, we we try to get an answer. We don't. I don't think anybody has an answer to that part of the equation. All we hear is he's getting healthier, but I still like it's one of the stranger injury situations I can think of because we we genuinely don't have any clue on how close he is to playing or not. Like none, zero. Right? I don't, I couldn't tell you. I would be a total. Fabricated guess if you ask me what are the chances Jalen Daniels plays on Saturday. I genuinely have no idea. Do you so think it when, matters though for this weekend? Well, that's game, what I was just that's what I was just gonna say. When we I think when we talk about these games and look forward to them, we just have to assume Jalen Daniels isn't going to play. I mean, at this point, I think you assume that Bean's gonna be the starter the whole way. So assuming that Bean's going to be the start of the whole way, do we still think they got a chance to go to Lubbock and beat Tech? Yeah, I think so. If they if they play the way that they played against Oklahoma State, and, and you know, forget about the injuries for a moment against Oklahoma State, right? Because that was obviously a factor in the margin of victory against Oklahoma State. But can they go down and win a tight one against Tech? I think that they can. And they have everything in the world to play for now. And... If we thought they were playing on house money at the beginning of the season during the win streak, they're absolutely playing with house money now. There's no more pressure on them whatsoever. Like literally zero pressure on Kansas other than they can still use the motivation of we're alive in the Big 12, right? We're alive. There's still an opportunity here for us. But outside of that, they have absolutely nothing to fear 
anymore the rest of the season. Like, you could skip the rest of the season, go straight to the bowl game, play well there. Like, there's just no there's no room for disappointment anywhere else on the schedule. They'll be fine no matter what happens. And that that freeness for them is going, I think, to really work to their advantage. And I think we felt some of that against Oklahoma State, that swag again. Like, they were really confident. They can be so dadgum confident the rest of the way because who cares if they lose? Like, honestly, who cares if they lose at this point? It's fine. They'll be just fine now. That's part of the reason why it's not a huge deal to rush Jalen Daniels back. Um, because totally. Partly because of that, partly because the pressure is off, and partly because uh, of how well Jason Bean played last week, and also partly because of how well Devin Neal ran the ball last week. So there are other offensive weapons, and J- uh, Jason Bean uh, has been more than competent. Um, yeah, he's made a few mistakes. Yeah, he's not... Um, He's not your your program quarterback long term. Uh, however, he has filled in admirably. He has led the Jayhawks well. Uh, looking at his emotion on the sideline after they beat Oklahoma State, um, that that was I was sold. I was like, look, let's let's make sure Jalen Daniels is one hundred percent healthy before we bring him back. It's his team, but let's make sure that he's fully healthy, ready to go. And right now, I'm riding with with Jason Bean and then Devin Neal his record-breaking performance last week on the ground. Um, I feel like all of those things combined, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to say they're, they're playing with house money because I, I don't think that's true. I just think that the pressure's off. They've got an opportunity here to get another victory and ensure that they finish with the winning record this season. So, um, yeah, and of course, the Big 12 title hunt is not out of the question either. So um, I, I like the, the spot that they're in right now. Also, for Texas Tech, they're missing their starting quarterback. And so that's going to play into it a little bit more where Kansas, you know, should have an opportunity to potentially force some interceptions. Yeah, I think so too. And the other, we haven't talked a lot about it because early in this season, it almost seemed like a non-story. And that's if, you know, Jalen Daniels is back next year. The way he was going as a Heisman candidate, I think we all just sort of assumed like, no, he's going to take his shot. But now with this injury... I don't know. I think the chances of him coming back are much better. And again, this is totally a guess. This is, I've not heard anything or, or done any like journalistic reporting on this. I just would imagine that the chances are higher now with this injury. The buzz has subsided because of the injury and he'll come in next year as one of the more exciting and hyped up players in the country would be my guess. And if that guess is correct, that's even more reason not to rush him back now, right? If if you know, and this coaching staff has obviously had these conversations, if they know that, hey, Jalen Daniels wants to come back next year. If James, if Jason Daniels, uh, Jalen Daniels comes back next year, there's no need to rush him now. You have the bowl game secured. I mean, you'd like to win a Big 12 title, right? Of course, you want to win every game you play. But Kansas needs to think about next year. Too. And and because next year we're going to have totally different sorts of conversations around expectations and all of these things. So I think that may be a factor in this, too. Maybe you can get him in for a couple of series and let him warm back up slowly. I don't know. But it's just another spot where there's no pressure for anything right now with Kansas football. Like zero. There's zero pressure left on the Jayhawks. 
in every game they play. They'd like to win the Sunflower Showdown. Sure. Obviously, they want to win their bowl game. But it's not that big a deal anymore. You got to your bowl game. You got the wins. Everything's good. Yeah, the upward momentum is there. It continues to be there. Um, I like where they're at heading into Lubbock this weekend. The pressure is off their shoulders. They get a chance to play free and easy football. It should be a lot of fun. All right, let's come back. A chief storyline we want to hit on with the wide receiver room before we get into some picks at the top of the next hour and talk a little high school football as well. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing for us. Happy Friday, everybody. We'll be back on Sports Daily. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Daily on KFH. Attention BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. BetMGM Sports is in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, welcome back here uh, to Sports Daily. Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster, and uh, Tommy, we're going to play some audio from yesterday of Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, you flagged this as interesting. I flagged this as a non-story. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster will be a free agent after this season. He's on a one-year deal in Kansas City. He was asked about that yesterday. Here's what he had to say. Of course, on, on the one-year deal, it's been a successful first half. How open are you maybe to, to staying in to Kansas City, or is that something you, you want to deal with maybe at the end of the year? Oh, I would love to stay here, to be honest. Um, this offense is uh, unbelievable. Coaching staff's unbelievable. Um, Feels up to me, of course. You know why not? You get to play one of the best quarterbacks, you know, in the game. Um, so yeah. Hmm. Okay, that's Juju. I look, Tommy. I'm glad he would like to stay. 
the issue is going to be he's going to get paid and the Chiefs aren't going to pay him. So, like, I'm sure he would like to stay, but with the way that things are constructed in the cap room situation, all these things, the trade for Kadarius Tony, I would put the chances of Juju Smith-Schuster being back in Kansas City at less than 30% next year because I don't think the contract lines up. That doesn't mean anything to the way he's playing. He is... When when this offseason started and Tyreek Hill was still on the roster, I've said it on these airwaves, I thought Juju Smith-Schuster was the perfect fit for Kansas City. Then Tyreek Hill left and Juju had to be the guy, and I was like, oh, no. like I don't know that he's got that in him. And Travis Kelsey has been the guy, but Juju's been good more often than he hasn't been good. He had a little bit of a stretch early in the season where he was quiet, but he's been really good for the most part for what they need. And I'm sure they'd also love to have him back. But it's not going to work out because he's going to get paid more than they're going to want to pay him. Well, look, he's on pace to uh, right now have over a thousand yards receiving, which is the best that he's had uh, since yeah. that year in 2018 when he, you know, flew onto the map uh, for everybody in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, he's absolutely made the most of the prove it deal uh, that he he had with Kansas City to sort of resurrect his career. Um, I think it depends upon what the biggest priority for Juju is. Um, I think back to remember Sammy Watkins and Sammy Watkins was not a, a huge factor for Kansas City during uh, his time there. But remember, he ended up re-signing with Kansas City after he did a kind of a similar one year deal to sort of resurrect his career. Then he re-signed because I think he realized, yeah, I could probably go get paid more elsewhere. But this is my best chance to win a Super Bowl. And my window is kind of closing here. I'm not going to be playing for another 10 years. Uh, that might be Juju a little bit. I think he's he wants to get paid, don't get me wrong. And I think there will be teams out there that are wide receiver needy that would be willing to pay him uh, probably pretty close to what he wants. But at the same time, I don't disagree with him. I believe him when he says that, yeah, he would like to stay here and play with that quarterback. I mean, it's it's so it's such a dynamic offense that he can be an integral part of that maybe the money isn't quite as important as going after a, a Super Bowl ring. He's 25 years old. He's going to take a big deal now. If he was older and at a different point in his career, I think that maybe that would have I, – I just – I do think it's genuine that he wants to stay. It would probably be genuine that the Chiefs would like him to stay. I think both of those things existed for Tyreek Hill too. I imagine Tyreek Hill would have loved to stay in Kansas City and be the highest-paid receiver. Kansas City would have loved to keep Tyreek Hill, but they weren't willing to make him the highest-paid receiver. And so – I don't know what there is that makes me think Juju would take that kind of a discount at this point in his career. Don't think he will. Now, he may have the luxury of being more selective now that he's played with a really good quarterback to say, I'm only going to go somewhere if I can also play for a good quarterback. I just, the Chiefs have done other things with the roster that would tell me the Juju plan was always a one year plan, right? MVS was signed to a multi year contract. They go trade for Kadarius Tony. They draft Sky Moore. That's three guys right there that you're expecting to be long-term pieces just by the way that you have acquired them slash given them contracts, whatever it is. McCole Hardman, I've got to look at. I believe he's a free agent just outright too, is he not? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. So I don't think there's any any chance that both of them will be back next year. I think Juju could, though. I think it depends upon, like, we're assuming that Kansas City absolutely will not pay Juju, and I'm not sure that's really the case. I don't case. think that what they can. Gonna, but what he's going to garner pay. on the open market is not Tyreek Hill money. So I think that th it's probably more likely they can bring him back. And I hate to break it to you. I'm going to tell you right now, Sky Moore is not working out. 
it's not going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out. So you've got like some long-term guys. Um, I feel like they if spin it was a second out, round probably pick on him. worked out so far. Yeah, they spin a second round pick. They're not going to bail on him now, though. That would be that would that would be too early I'm to bail on a second round pick. I'm just not willing to commit to him as a cornerstone wide receiver for this organization. They weren't either. That's why they traded for Kadarius Tony, and they'll right. probably draft another receiver. I just don't think in in the um, structure of negotiating the salary cap that they can afford a big contract to a receiver. They they're going to have to pay a tackle. If it's Orlando Brown, probably not. It's got to be somebody else, right? So they've got other things that they have to negotiate and work through and figure out. They're about to have uh, some other offensive linemen, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, that they're going to have to get paid that they would. I mean, there are other things that have to happen, and they have already put in place plans for the future at the position. Outside of your first scenario, of a 25-year-old wide receiver who just is playing on a bet-on-yourself contract right now, doing that again, I don't think it's going to work out. I just don't think it's going to fit. And that's just the economics of football when you got to pay a quarterback. I mean, it is what it is. It's the reality of things. If they can get him on an affordable deal, sure, that's an opportunity. I just don't know why 25-year-old Juju Smith-Schuster, who took the one-year deal so that he could reestablish his value in the market in the first place, would do that again or anything like it. He's 25. He still hasn't had his big contract yet. Hey, the chance to play, continue to play with Patrick Mahomes. The the chance to continue to play for a Super Bowl. Yeah, you might get more money elsewhere. You might get exactly what you want elsewhere. What that money's going in your with pocket? Playing with. I what get that it, money's going you... in your pocket and up somebody's offering you twice as much? What would 25-year-old Tommy Caster do? I'd probably buy as much beer as I possibly could with that money. I'm not going to lie about it. You can buy a whole lot more beer with $15 million a year than you can a whatever it is. You can still buy a lot of beer, though, with $7 million. Yeah. Hey, I hope – here's what I hope. I hope Juju Smith-Schuster plays so well that this becomes an excruciating decision and doesn't regress at all to make it a little easier because it's going to be a good problem to have for this year if he is. If, if the Chiefs are having this conversation in the offseason – it will mean things have gone well this season. So I'm sure they're sitting there saying, bring it on. We'll see. Juju wants to stay. Certainly a good thing to hear. Doesn't surprise me. And I think they want him to stay. Will he stay? I think Tommy thinks the chances are a little higher than I do. 869-1240. We'll come back. We'll make some picks. Paul Savage joins us. Uh, unfortunately, Jad has receipts to go through. And, uh, well, we'll do that. We'll also have some high school football talk as we enter the third round of the playoffs here in the state of Kansas. All coming for you on Sports Daily in hour number two. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.